Did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me, too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Sean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters. Today, I want to do a special episode for Mother's Day. It's airing a week before Mother's Day because if your relationship with your mother, mother-in-law, uh, grandmothers, daughters, sisters, whatever, is is super fine and they're they're such important people in your lives. I want to honor you. And I also want to say this isn't the episode for you. Because today I'm talking with Karen Anderson. And Karen is a master life coach and author for adult daughters who want to have a healthier, less codependent relationship with their mothers, whether they are in contact with their mothers or not. She is the host of the Dear Adult Daughter podcast an author of several books, including Difficult Mothers, Adult Daughters, A Guide for Separation, Liberation, and Inspiration, and the Difficult Mother-Daughter Relationship Journal. Her next book, You Are Not Your Mother, Releasing Generational Trauma and Shame, will be out in June. Stay tuned for the date, and it will be available on my Facebook page and hopefully on my website for this podcast slash TV show. Mm. So we're going to be talking about those difficult relationships and releasing the shame, the guilt, the bad feelings that we have about this so that you can go into Mother's Day feeling like you've made your decision and you're in peace with your decision about how you're going to approach it. So Karen, welcome. I know this is the second time you've appeared on my podcast, and I'm delighted to have you today to talk about this really difficult topic. Yeah, thank you. I, um, as you were talking and, and mentioning the date uh, that this would air, I can't help but want to mention that uh, someone that I know, a colleague, whose name is, she has a, a long name and she goes by Simona Vivi H. And she has an organization called remothering.org. And she has declared the Sunday before Mother's Day as Remothering Day. Oh, how or Remother's Day. <laughs> and I was, so it's like, it's just, it's, it's seemed like I have to just mention that. Yeah. So um, this is, it's this like, is, super important to deal with before it like blindsides you on the actual yeah. date of mother's yes. day. So yeah. uh, whatever you need to do or, or I need to do to go into this 
time, I mean, my mother is gone, but as you and I have discussed many times, our relationship was not a smooth or um, peaceful one, especially at the end. And I need to deal with that probably every year. (laughs) Exactly. I was just going to say, whether she's alive or not, whether you talk to her or not, right, it still brings up all kinds of stuff. It's just so in your face, Mother's Day, right? And the idea that, you know, sort of on both sides of that women are expected, right, to model or embody this perfection, either as mothers or daughters, right? And that in and of itself is part of the problem. <laughs> exactly. We're, we're expected. We're going to, it's going to come out. Um, there will be if you were if you are on Facebook that day, you will see hundreds of posts of my mother is here and I've I'm so grateful my mother is gone and I miss her so much. And you as a if not Karen, but you as a listener may be feeling my mother is here and I have to call her today and I don't want to, or I have to go and visit and I don't want to, or my mother is gone and I really don't feel the grief that other people are feeling. Yeah. And what we're here today to tell you is that's okay. That's hundred percent. Okay. How did, give us a little bit of background because other people may, people listening today may not have heard your original episode. If you haven't, I suggest, I would recommend that you go back and find it. It's in the first there's a short one in the first nine episodes, and there's a little bit longer one in the first uh, 10, to, 10 to 18 episodes. I don't remember which number, but <laughs> go find it. It's a, It was a very, very good discussion. So tell us a little bit about how you came to this. Um, <clears throat> my relationship with my mom. <laughs> <laughs> But I also say in her relationship with her mom, and I think something happens at midlife, which for women, and that is sort of a a looking back and a reckoning. We, you know, I never had kids, but, um, you know, once you're sort of through that aspect of your life, right, in your your 40s or 50s, again, depending on how old your kids are, right? I want to stop you right there for a second, because Marjorie Taylor Greene. Karen is a mother. She has three lovely stepchildren and she is a mother. Thank you. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Whatever, whether, again, whether we have children or not, or stepchildren or fur children or no children or whatever it is, right? We do go through at midlife this sort of, I think it seems fairly universal for women to be like looking back and reckoning with things that have happened and our relationships. And for what I notice is that it's at that point that a lot of women are, are now looking at the relationship that they had with their mothers or have with their mothers and seeing that maybe things, you know, things that we were putting up with before we're like, "Mm, can't do that now. Don't want to do that now things that we had pushed aside, you know, it's, you could speak to it better than I could on the hormonal side of like how those hormones change us. Um, But anyway, so that's what happened for me was um, 
it's not that I had this amazingly wonderful relationship with my mom um, before, but then as I got older and certain things happened, um, she seemed to just, I don't know, she did, she, she just didn't like me. <laughs> and I was still very much in, I want my mom's approval. And it seemed as if the happier and more content in my own life that I became, the more me that I was becoming, the angrier and um, more resentful, I guess, she got. I'm, again, I can't speak for her and how she feels, but um, it, it caused a big rift in, in our relationship. And she was quite mean and cruel to me. And I decided that I was done with that relationship. That was in 2010. And, um, you know, so I kind of fumbled around and, and it was at that point, I was doing a lot of writing for myself and I was blogging and I started life coaching and, and it was in the, in the, um, training for coaching that this, my mother stuff kept coming up. And the more that I got coached on it, the more I learned, how do I, you know, if I'm going to have a relationship with this woman, which it's funny. I actually had this realization in the past six months that part of the reason that I reestablished contact with her when I did was to please the coach who was coaching me. Mm -hmm. That's interesting. I didn't realize it at the time. And I, I don't regret it. It has, it has, it's my lab, <laughs> <laughs> right? My relationship with my mom is my lab. It's my, where I learn right? It's, it's, um, and, and it helps yeah. me then help other, other women, but, um, you know, that's how it happened. It just happened. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I think that is really important for women to hear at this time and that you talk a lot about is, is setting boundaries, especially if you have a living mother that that you must deal with for whatever reason, because you don't want to take your kids away from your mom because mm -hmm. everybody expects it and you're not ready to just walk away or because that relationship is really a truly Dr. Doolittle push and pull you relationship where you want it. And yet every time you go into it, it, it drives you nuts. And yeah. I would say that 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 really characterizes my relationship with my mother was, was that um, expectation from my dad who who had passed that um, that I would take care of her um, that both my brother and I he he didn't put that on, only on me as the girl but he put it on both of us I think that that we would always take care of of her after he passed. But it was also a, um, I want you to approve of me. I want you to love me the way I want to be loved. So there was definitely, even throughout her life, and she passed in 2011. Um, so before a lot of your work was really, yeah. you and I knew each other at the time, yeah. but um, uh, I was going through a lot of that, that difficulty as you were just going through it as well. So exactly. Yeah. Um, I kind of regret 
just as many people tell me that they regret that they didn't know me back when they were going yeah. through menopause. Um, I I regret that Karen wasn't farther along her journey as I was dealing this journey for me. Uh, but mine was very much a, a we lived in the same house. Mm, yeah, I I've wor I work I'm currently working with two three women who live with their moms, and um, it's it's a fascinating. It's very different than when I work with a woman who you know, doesn't live with her mom. It's or just, does, has no contact. Or who has no contact, yeah. But um, you, you brought up that, right? You know, for, for those of us who are in the push me, pull you, which I love that expression, <laughs> right? It's, we're not estranged, but we're also not like holding hands and skipping under rainbows with our moms, right? And it's that, it, I call it that a middle path, right? There's many middle paths between that estrangement or sort of the complete total, like enmeshment with our mother. My mom is my best friend and I know people who, who are there and I, I there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> fact, yeah. it's a well, there can be a healthy, healthy friendship between a mom, but I'm, I'm talking about sort of oh, okay. the, the unhealthy <laughs> enmeshment of, right, I don't know where I begin and she ends and or yeah. vice versa. Okay, all right. Which is so, where I was prior to going the opposite direction into estrangement, I was like, didn't know who I was without her input. And so then it was like, chop it right off. So anyway, so for the women who are in that in between, and they're like, you know what, no, I don't want to estrange myself. And I don't want to, you know, be in this enmeshed relationship with her. Right? So what is the middle path? And there are I see three main, there's three main um, things that women can do and like categories of like creation, if you will, creating safety for yourself, creating an intentional identity of who you want to be in the relationship with her and creating boundaries <laughs> based <laughs> on that intentional identity. Right. So, right. And so creating safety first for our bodies, right. Mm -hmm. I don't know about, anybody listening, but to this day, if I see an email in my inbox from my mom, I go, right, I have a little. <laughs> and that could appear anywhere in your body. Exactly. Uh, I, I will tell you it's, it's in my vagina that, that I get that clenching feeling. Yeah. It's for me, it's like with right those, here. those kinds of things. And it, for me now, without my mom living, I don't get emails from her. Thank you thankfully, because that would be weird. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> that would be very weird. <laughs> but, but the um, the thing is, right, I think a lot of women are like, oh, but I don't want to feel that. I don't want to have that feeling. Mm -hmm. And the so creating safety doesn't mean that necessarily goes away. It means that you have a different relationship to your body's responses. And this kind of also goes into what I'm in, in my, my new book about unshaming, right? It's mm -hmm. um, unshaming or, or taking the shame out of your natural body's wisdom, mm. right? Of that reaction, because it is wisdom. It's not something wrong with you. Yeah. So creating safety is the, is one pillar of this work and then creating the intentional identity which, as I said, is who do I want to be? 
how do I want to show up when I'm with my mom or when I'm about to call her on Mother's Day when I kind of don't really want to, but I'm deciding to anyway. Um, who am I when she's maybe being cruel or, you know, needy or any of the other number of ways that difficult <laughs> mothers can show up, right? How do I want to be in that moment and making that decision? And that then informs, as I said, the boundaries that we have and boundaries, um, you know, can be a very simple uh, process of just deciding, you know what, I don't want to be around this kind of behavior. Right. And rather than making her responsible for not being that way, which is kind of hard, right, we decide, you know what, she gets to be that way and I get to decide I don't want to be around it. <laughs> Oh, so true. And it really is a very loving, compassionate thing to do. So true. So how is it possible to turn those boundaries on? Here we are a week from Mother's Day, or if, if you're watching this on the, the TV show, we're five days from Mother's Day. and it's not possible it may not be possible to create recreate that relationship in that short of time with all the other expectations that are going on around you is it possible to do it in that quick a time to do what specifically um to recreate the rela reframe that relationship so that let's say let's say you do decide that this is not something, not a relationship you want to be into, in that you want to cut that relationship short. Now, what do you do about the expectation or the fact that you attend the same church or that you're hosting the family party for mom and all your siblings are coming over and all of a sudden you're like, this is now I know why for the rest of May I sit in and cry or I, I rage at my family or whatever. And now you're, you're like five days out from, from a truly triggering event. It's, what can you do? It's, do you have some techniques yes. or, or things that you can offer people? Yes. And I think, you know, when it comes to like, it's not about reframing it and saying, oh, yes, it, it was terrible, but I'm just going to make it be okay. Or um, I thought it was all okay. And actually, it's not okay. And I but I have to pretend. Yeah. So I think or calling all your siblings and saying somebody else take mom today uh, on Sunday, because I'm not going to be there. You could do that, though. <laughs> yeah. And 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 so right this is coming back to creating safety is realizing i'm about to make a choice that is going to ruffle feathers or whatever um, analogy or metaphor you want to use right shit hit fan right <laughs> whatever um, i'm about to create a shit show here <laughs> <laughs> um so how can i feel safe doing that what do i need what does my body need for me to acknowledge? Right. And so, you know, 
are our survival stress responses, right? Fight, flight, freeze, fawn, right? Which one are you? Do you know what you tend to do? If you are a fawning people pleaser, right? Which is, again, this is not a fault or a flaw in you. This is your body's brilliance. And if you're used to doing that, it's not going to feel safe to not please your mom and your siblings, right? Because you're the one who's always done this. So how am I going to, like knowing that, how am I going to take care of myself? And it can be as simple as saying, of course, I'm feeling tremendous anxiety because I'm about to do something different that I've never done before in this family. And I'm going to ruffle feathers, of course, how human of me, right? Rather than saying, what the, what's wrong with me? I'm being ridiculous that I can't just decide this and God, what, you know, this is silly. No, it's not silly, right? That's, and that's how that simple distinction between how we talk to ourselves about that response is how we create safety. That's one way we create safety, right? Oh. how we talk to ourselves about that, right? That's unshaming our response. So 10 days out, five days out, whatever, you might decide you're not doing the thing. You're not calling her. You're not whatever it was. Of course, I'm feeling scared. Of course, how human of me, right? This is my body's wisdom and, my, and I'm honoring it. And you can see, right, like even somatically, <laughs> right, what we can do to just send a, a signal of safety to our bodies. Yeah. So then the other thing is, right, you might decide that you're going to go through with it anyway, even though you're like, ah, I don't want to. But you then you you decide to do it anyway, right, because you are afraid. Of course, you're afraid. And that's OK, too. It's having your own back in the decision-making process and saying, you know what? I don't know if I am ready to create a shit show in my family. Yeah. And so I am going to do this and I'm doing it with a, an open, clear, like decision that I'm doing it. I'm not being forced to do it. I'm not right. I'm not like blaming other people. I'm just simply acknowledging that right now I'm not ready to, stir the pot, so to speak. And so I'm going into this clearly, consciously that I'm going to host Mother's Day, even though I don't really want to. And again, the distinction between no one's making me do this, right? And or or I'm going to get in big trouble if I don't do it to even though this isn't really what I want to do, I'm going to do it. And then maybe next by next Mother's Day, I will be in a different place and I will make a different decision. But for now, it's okay to go through with it, even if you're like, you know, not terribly excited about it. And we're going to take a short break. This has been a wonderful discussion. And when we come back, I want to show you at least one of my favorite techniques, a technique I use frequently for um, just reduce it, bringing that anxiety down in the moment that you can use literally sitting at the table with your siblings and your mom. And Karen, if you have another technique similar to that, whether it's something you can do in the middle of a group of people or just walk away, mm -hmm. we're going to let you take uh, have a turn at that as well. We'll be back in just a moment. 
Do you remember being dragged into a classroom when you were in elementary school and being told about your period? Well, as awful as that moment was, it was about a million times better than what's happened in menopause. It's like being thrown into the jungle with no map, no guide, and no way out. That's why I'd like to offer you an opportunity to smooth the way. It's a four-week class that I'm teaching live, incorporating my more than a decade of experience researching, coaching, and writing about menopause. I can't guarantee this class is going, can turn menopause into a walk in the park on a spring day, but I do know you, that you'll get the knowledge in this class to prevent a lot of misery and panic. You can find more information and register for the class at mg.menopause.guru backslash 101. And we're back with Karen C.L. Anderson, and we're talking about difficult mothers, adult daughters, and their sometimes fraught relationships, especially around this time of year where mother-daughter relationships are supposed to be perfect, and we know they're not. (laughs) (laughs) So before the break, we talked a lot about uh, making a decision about what you want to do for Mother's Day. And we talked about, yes, you can make that decision to go through with it because there's everything's in place and now you're feeling uncomfortable or you realize that down the road this is going to going to take a toll on you. I want to give you a technique that I use. I use it for sleep. I use it for anxiety. And it's a perfect technique for being in the room with a bunch of people that are making you upset in some way, whether it's anxious, whether it's angry, whether it's uh, some other irritable, um, but to get through it. And I call it 444 breathing. Mm-hmm. And it's just a really simple technique. Lots of people use it. Lots of people teach it. The thing is, between now and the time you need it, <laughs> practice it because yeah. you want to remember to use it, which is is something that you just need to get used to doing. So if you have a trigger event or, um, you know, maybe maybe the nightly news makes you a little bit upset and then you can practice this when the nightly news comes on because the nightly news probably not nearly as triggering as your mom. If you're still if you're still listening to this podcast, it's probably not. So here it is. You're going to inhale for a count of four. You're going to hold for a count of four. And then you're going to release that breath for a count of four. And you can do this for four or five cycles. Let your brain count. It's important for your brain to count because it gives your brain something to do other than be angry or upset or anxious or anything else. It just has to count. So counting in one, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, release, two, three, four, in, two, three, four, hold, two, three, four, release, two, three, four. You can do that as many times as you need until 
it seems to, to just take that edge off. Now, if you've ever practiced yogic breath work, they will tell you to hold your nose during, during, <laughs> during the hold. And they actually tell you to do it with the hand mudra. Um, I, I did breath work this, this summer and it was really interesting, but it's like, no, that's really obvious that you're doing yeah. something different. So if you are, if you are at the table with your siblings and your children and their, and the rest of moms, grandchildren, and all the sons-in-laws and daughters-in-law, and it's a big old thing, you can do this without really making any noticeable change to you. And you can just let let it go and do that counting because it gives you the space between you and whatever triggered you. Beautiful. My favorite technique. Karen, do you have another, something else that, that yes. will help release in the moment or when you get out of the situation to kind of let that drain? I, I'll give you well, the option. <laughs> there's a couple of things actually beforehand. Um, I actually recommend growling. And practice, like you said, you don't necessarily, you don't do it in the moment, <laughs> right? But like growling and like, you know, because for most of us, I think we tend to go into like, well, we might get angry at first, but then we're like, okay, anger is not okay. So I'm going to now like go the opposite, right? I'm going to like be quiet, hide, people please maybe, right? So growling is a great way to remind you that you actually are a grown ass woman who has agency and sovereignty in this moment, right? So you gr practice growling beforehand when you're in the moment, it's like, oh yes, growling. And just thinking about it reminds, reminds me like, okay, yep, I'm actually a grown ass woman in this situation. The other thing which you can do under the table <laughs> <laughs> to you know like it's like ah what do i do right um the breathing is great and or simply slowly thumb to each finger and then back again right it's like and you can just you know do it under the table if you need to <laughs> like uh, <laughs> <laughs> right but it's 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 like it's a matter of catching yourself right we catch ourselves in the moment. Okay, I think I'm, I need to breathe. I think I need to, you know, I'm going to focus on this thing with my fingers. It gives your brain something to, um, you know, occupy and, the, and and it's calming. And of course, the cool thing is, here we go. Breathe in, two, mm, three, yes. four. Out, hold, two, three, four. Out, two, three, four. So you can put the two together. Yeah. And, and what I love about growling versus screaming or yelling, and those are techniques that are often talked about, but screaming happens from the heart up. So it happens in the in the head and chest space, whereas growling is deep, comes from the body. And it really allows you to embody that anger. So yes. I really like that idea. And then yeah. you can growl when you come home too, or when exactly. everybody is gone. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The an, another thing that I've been playing with, um, just personally for for a variety of reasons, is cold water 
uh, I, I don't go and jump in the cold water, but I like take a cold, like after a regular shower, I turn it on cold for as long as I can. Mm -hmm. And I'm, what I'm noticing is that, and I think the science backs it up, that this creates dopamine, right? Yeah. It, it helps you feel good. It helps you feel light, like it light. It doesn't sound like it, but it does. You're right. It does afterwards. And, you know, it's a nice, slow increase in the dopamine and then a nice slow decrease right over hours hmm. and um again this isn't so that you go in and you're all happy happy joy joy when you don't really want to be that but it's i'm thinking for afterwards right the cold yeah. shower <laughs> and, and, it, and you can think of that the hot and cold shower as being very um cleansing you know you yes. can cleanse you can just use that to cleanse off the feelings, the, the the energy that you possibly absorbed during that period of time. So, yeah. Karen, that is a great suggestion. And so, we've given you some techniques. We've given you some reasons. If shame, guilt around uh, boundaries around your relationship with this person in your life, and we've been talking about mothers, but this could easily be your daughter, mm -hmm. a sister. Um, a grandmother, mother -in -law. a mother-in-law, all of these people tend to have the same kinds of relationships in the space. And if that's you, and if you need more help, Karen, how can people reach out to you besides um, going to Amazon and getting your books? Yeah. So my website is kclanderson.com. And from there, you know, you can read my blog, you can sign up for my um, email love notes, um, check out the podcast, links to the books, like that's everything. I mean, and, and I, I'm also doing some TikToks. <laughs> and, and You're braver than I, a braver woman than I, Gunga Din. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> I have no idea what to do with TikTok. Uh, I, I it find is the wild, wild west for for the for olders. <laughs> <laughs> so check out Karen's work, her book coming out in June sometime, and I will try and make sure that that shows up on my Facebook page Thank and you. on my uh, website. We'll probably link to both of Karen's podcasts, podcast uh, appearances with me. Super excited to know that you are coming out with a new book, Karen, and it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks yeah, so thank much. You. And I'm John Andrus, and this has been Menopause Matters. Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you. 